0: It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. Welcome to Rapid Fire, a 2A talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics. Tune in each week at rapidfireradio.us to join the conversation. And now you can call or text the Rapid Fire line 508-444-2120. That's 508 444 2120. And remember to like us on all of our social media platforms. Our handle is at Cape Gunworks on all the usual suspects except for Instagram. It's CGW underscore backup. And that one uh, is at serious risk of being deplatformed again. So uh, we need to come up with our backup page, which, which is rapid fire. Radio. You can go to Rapid Fire Radio, and uh, we won't be posting the same type of gun content there because we don't want that page pulled down. So, um, but we're at serious risk. I've been notified several times uh, that the the content that we share, which does not violate the terms of use agreement of Meta, is still being flagged, and every day posts get taken down, and we appeal, and they say sorry, we took them down in error. And then they repost them and then they threaten to deplatform our whole page. So that's what's going on uh <laughs> in in um social media world. So anyway, hopefully you guys will like, subscribe, share, and comment on all of those posts because that's what it's gonna take uh to survive the social media censorship um that is out there. So Anyway, uh, we got lots to talk about. Um, I'm really excited to to have this show today because we have lots going on out in gun world. Uh, I want to really lead by talking about Smith & Wesson, and we hinted about this yesterday on the live stream when we were uh, on with the Grace Curley Show, and we did quite a kind of a post-show discussion. And Smith & Wesson has and i alluded to this a couple weeks ago when i was out in springfield for the uh, retail advisory council annual meeting uh, that i'm a part of and we heard that mark smith wouldn't be there because of this congressional uh, subpoena and and a, or a letter asking him to appear which he declined and then they basically uh gave him a subpoena to appear and The funniest thing is how the, the court, I mean, the Congress said that, um, in their they said, because you're not willing to come here on your own and give an account to your unethical sales tactics and selling firearms that, you know, lead to crime and all this stuff. It it was just an amazing, um, uh, Letter, if you will, uh, and the accusatory nature of it was was unbelievable. But um, I think that Mark Smith did a fabulous job and uh, writing this letter back to the to the Congress and said, uh, basically, um, you're not going to blame this on us. And I think he spoke for uh, everybody. In the industry, and how we 've been feeling after thirty years of uh, being basically beat down and i 'm going to para- i 'm going to read a couple of excerpts of it, but it says here um, a number of politicians and their lobbying partners in the media have recently sought to disparage Smith and Wesson. Some have had the audacity to suggest that after they have vilified undermined and defunded law enforcement for years, supported prosecutors who refused to hold criminals accountable for their actions, overseen the decay of our country's mental health infrastructure, and generally promoted a culture of lawlessness. Smith and Wesson and other firearms manufacturers are somehow responsible for the crime wave that has predictably resulted from these destructive policies, but they are the ones to blame for the surge in violence and lawlessness, and they seek to avoid any responsibility for the crisis of violence that they have created by attempting to shift the blame to Smith & Wesson, other firearms manufacturers, and law-abiding gun owners. And I think that sums it up perfectly. It goes on to say, It is no surprise that the cities suffering most from violent crime are are the very same cities that have promoted irresponsible, soft-on-crime policies that often treat criminals as victims and victims as criminals. Many of these same cities also maintain the strictest gun laws in the nation. But rather than confront the failure of their policies, certain politicians have sought more laws restricting the Second Amendment rights of law-abiding citizens, while simultaneously continuing to undermine are institutions of law and order. And to suppress the truth, some now seek to prohibit firearms manufacturers and supporters of the Second Amendment from advertising products in a manner designed to remind law-abiding citizens that they have a constitutional right to keep and bear arms in defense of themselves and their families. And I think this is just a great case of, uh, of Mark Smith really taking the lead on this. I know uh Ruger was uh, also subpoenaed um and I believe Daniel Defense a couple other uh manufacturers and you know had to go to Congress and and basically talk about this and uh so one of the other things that uh Smith and Wesson did was uh send a letter uh from the law firm that represents Mark Smith, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and read that, and it says, uh, re- this is the response to the subpoena, it says, Dear Chairwoman Maloney, I am writing in response to your letter dated August 1st, 2022, to Mark P. Smith, Chief Executive Officer of my client, Smith & Wesson Brands, Inc., Smith & Wesson, notifying him that the Committee of Oversight and Reform, the committee issued a subpoena dated August 1, 2022, to Smith & Wesson, Smith & Wesson has cooperated with the committee since it received a letter dated May 26, 2022 from the committee requesting information and documents. The May letter, the stated purpose of the committee's request was to inform legislative efforts to achieve common sense gun safety reform, a.k.a. I'm throwing this in there. Whenever you see gun safety now, you know it's gun control. That's the new buzzword by the gun control advocates or the gun confiscation regime it is always now termed gun safety all right so back at it Uh, gun safety reform to save american lives as you know at that time the committee gave my client a very short time frame only four business days in which to produce information and documents going back 10 years my client voluntarily produced requested information and documents to the committee on June 7 2022 in response responding to the committee Smith and Wesson expressed concerns about producing certain proprietary Uh, information, such as specific numbers of modern sporting rifles it sold and the specific annual gross revenue and profits it derived from these sales. In an effort to accommodate the committee's request for this information, my client provided non-public information disclosing that MSRs make up more of half of its total annual sales and total units sold in the long gun category, which is a category my client publicly discloses through filings with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Based on this information provided, my client, the committee, determined that Smith and Wesson received between 125 and 250 million in revenue in 2021. So it goes on to, uh, you know, talk a whole lot more about this, and uh, we'll we'll talk, we'll take this up on the other side. But tell us what you think. Caller text 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120, and we'll be right back. Don't forget. This week's discount code is CAPE COD. If you go to Cape Gunworks or rapidfireradio.us, you can get a special savings by typing in CAPE COD, is the special discount code today. All right, more after this, we'll be right back. Vortex offers the very best optics, specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex Difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Federal ammunition is 100. This is where the American ingenuity met a trailblazing spirit. Hard work united with patriotism and technology blended with new ideas. That's Federal Ammunition. Right here in Anoka, Minnesota, born in 1922, made in America, and proud to be the best. Federal Ammunition, a century of innovation. And we're only getting started. back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show about all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. Make sure you call the show any time of the day or night or text your question to 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. And let us know what you think. Uh, before the break, we were reading the letter from the attorney. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it—the uh, attorney uh, for Smith & Wesson because it's a very long letter— Uh, But one of the paragraphs in it uh, says, uh, Moreover, the committee's focus on gathering specific revenue, profits, and units sold raises serious concerns about whether its work is intended to undermine the Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms in common use, a category that includes MSRs. There's no basis in Heller for drawing a constitutional distinction between semi-automatic handgun and semi-automatic rifle. Uh, it goes on to say that with rare exceptions, the Second Amendment raises antecedent activity by someone in addition to the citizen exercising it, in this case, a firearms manufacturer, for a citizen to be able to exercise his or her right to keep and bear firearms. Burdening firearm manufacturers is a step towards deterring or forbidding the sale of constitutionally protected firearms would raise serious Second Amendment concerns. And this is an action-packed. Letter. It's six pages long. You really need to go check it out. Uh, Breitbart News has a uh, a really good. um, It has it on there and a really good article about it, Um, but with excerpts from this letter and the whole letter as well. So, uh, Sig was another one of the companies that uh, was there, and the interesting thing is one of the theories I have about why they're asking for this information. now, Number one, what does Congress have to do with any of the business information or business dealings of publicly traded companies and major firearms manufacturers? Like it's none of their business. The only reason I think they want to know this information, if I know my government correctly, would be to see how much profit they're making and figure out what the tax gap is between the manufacturing cost and the actual uh, profit margin and fill that with tax. There's already been talk in California about them basically taxing guns into non-existence. And so, you know, this raises the hair on the back of my neck, if you think about it, uh, a la, like, you know, Boston Tea Party (laughs) Type of stuff where uh, taxation without representation, especially in a state of California, where you have tax up, you know, every area of your life you're being taxed. It's one of the highest tax states. State I live in, Massachusetts, one of the highest taxed. Uh, you know, that's how we got the moniker "Taxachusetts." You got New York City, a, a state where probably well more than fifty percent of all people's income is is taken by a government entity. And you have that in Massachusetts, you have this in other states, but I'm sure the Congress that it really bemoans the fact that you have a right to keep and bear arms, and it can't come at it from a legislative way and just outright ban them. It's been ruled unconstitutional. So until there's some sort of constitutional Congress where they can uh, basically... Change the Second Amendment, which there's now more and more talk of uh, you know by these people who want centralized power in the hands of government with disarming uh, the law abiding responsible people of america and so their their latest strategy is basically to tax guns and tax the all the accoutrements of firearms into a so it's either an ultra wealthy sport and also probably tax it to the point where the money raised will ultimately be its undoing um i i have concerns and i always have as long as i've been in this industry of the funding of certain areas ending up becoming a boomerang to basically be the dismantling of of this industry and As it stands now, there's already the Pittman-Robertson Act, which has done more to raise money for conservation and wildlife uh, habitat, as well as, you know, CRP, um, conservation restoration programs, and and everything else. But every box of hunting ammunition and, uh, you know, firearms, et cetera, goes to purchasing and administering this land that's purchased, you know, you have Bureau of Land Management, you have uh, Division of Fish and Wildlife and stuff like that, that is managing this, these lands. And that's what's funding this whole thing. And so what I, I worry about is that at some point, the funding of these will create this regulatory body of, or agency that now dismantles it. And I think that same thing could happen with firearms, with the taxes that I assume, you know, and maybe my assumption is is way off base. Let me know what you think at 508-444-2120. But I don't think it is. I think it's um I think it's really uh the the goal is to undermine the whole Second Amendment through taxation, through legislation that even though it's unconstitutional and now they have been put on notice by the uh Bruin decision, they are now certainly uh, you know, looking for other ways to defund the the firearms industry. And, you know, if, by calling people before a congressional hearing and asking them about their profits and how many rifles they sell a year and their manufacturing and who they're marketing to is absolutely unbelievable. Um, but it, it's, it does seem to be the trend in the way we're headed. Um, because, you know, what's amazing to me is... Guns in the hands of responsible private citizens pose no threat to anyone except evil psychopaths who want to commit violence against oh against people and tyrannical government. Those are the only two categories that should be worried. And when government is constantly trying to de- uh, disarm the populace, by in the same side of their mouth speaking to keep you safe. <laughs> I find that ironic. Um, that is amazing to me. The fact that they can't trust people who pose no threat to them unless they are a tyrannical government trying to change the course of this country and take away their enumerated rights Um you know, that that should be self evident to everybody else out there who who says, um, you know, yeah, these aren't the people you gotta worry about. And I think Mark Smith's letter did a really good job of painting that picture and um, you know, firing back at the lawmakers that really want to uh discredit uh and and take away your right to keep and bear arms. So that's the way I see it. But um Anyway, we got a call on the rapid fire line, so go ahead and play that.
1: I'm calling about a one turbine, and I wanted to ask you do they, did they uh, work test, sell best, so best at $800? I wanted to just ask that question. The M1 carbine, I just wanted to know if they would go for around Eight hundred dollars
0: or so. Okay, yeah. All right, yeah. So if it's an Ingersoll, I think that's what you said. An Ingersoll um, would it go for around eight hundred bucks? Uh, probably not. I think uh, M1 carbines are going for a little more these days. You could still get the uh, the car arms or the Thompson auto ordnance ones. Uh, those are probably seven eight hundred bucks brand new. But if they're a historic, you know military type war piece, then they're probably going to be a little more than that. I would say you could get one for the eleven or $1,200 range, depending on what it is. Um, and they can quickly go up from there, depending on what it is. But um, yeah, so great question. Um, but getting back to what we were talking about, I just want to read another excerpt here from the Smith & Wesson letter. And this, I think, was was really, really good, how Uh, Mark Smith summed it up. And by the way, Mark's a great guy. I've got to know him over the past couple of years of being on the Retail Advisory Council. And he's just a class act. And the thing I really appreciate about him is when we are there, he's genuinely interested in our businesses and what we're seeing. But he also is a great listener. He listens to what is going on in the industry out there. But anyway, here here's how he wrapped up his letter. To be clear, Smith & Wesson firearm has never broken into a home. A Smith & Wesson firearm has never assaulted a woman out, of a, 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 out on a late-night run in the city. A Smith & Wesson firearm has never carjacked an unsuspecting driver stopped at a traffic light. Instead, Smith & Wesson provides these citizens with the means to protect themselves and their families. Amen to that, Mark. All right, we have a friendly shooting contest for all levels coming up. It's Veterans Top Shot Invitational, and it has openings for the shooting contest this fall, and it supports great veterans' charities. Go to TopShotInvitational.com to sign up today. That's TopShotInvitational.com to sign up. And we have Mike Deddy next. You don't want to miss this. It's going to be awesome. you got to hear this interview. We will be right back. This is Rapid Fire.
2: The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, key entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltechSafe.com and find us online at facebook.com/bolttechsafe.
0: If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. I'm your host Toby Leary and every once in a while we get some really interesting guests on this show. And today I'm really happy to have Mike Deddy, author of Wide Receiver on the phone. How are you today, Mike?
3: Toby, I'm doing great, and thank you for including me today.
0: Oh, really happy to have you. Um, It's funny because one of our listeners to the show actually made the introduction, and he'll hear me from time to time talking about certain government operations that went horribly wrong, and he said, well, I kind of know the guy who... Was involved in Operation Wide Receiver, which ultimately left to Fast and led to Fast and Furious. And I said, "Really? I'd love to talk to him." So here we are. Uh, why don't you tell everyone, all the listeners, about what it is you do and what you've done, and how you know uh, you ended up writing a book called Wide Receiver.
3: I'd be happy to. So. Uh, some of your listeners may recognize my name from magazines like Ballistic or Combat Handguns or Personal Defense World. I've been writing for gun magazines for over 30 years. But what led me down the road to writing this book, Operation Wide Receiver, was I, at one time, I was a distributor for DPMS, Rock River, and Armalite companies, um, selling their AR-15s and other related goods at arizona gun shows and back in 2006 i had a customer that just aroused my suspicions uh he bought a bunch of lowers from me um without the top ends on them and uh in fact he wiped me out and he came back the next day and asked me if i had any more and i said you know you ha- you got everything i had yesterday um but i've got 25 coming in uh this week in time for the gun show next weekend and he said, I'll take them all. So, uh, that raised a red flag immediately. And Monday morning, I contacted my contact at the Tucson ATF office. And, uh, he had me fax the 4473 to paperwork that this young man filled out for those, those lowers that he purchased. And I, you know, had suspicion based on his, lack of knowledge and wads of cash in his pocket that probably he wasn't buying them for himself. He did pass the background check, Mm -hmm. but by doing so, I now had his name, address, social security number, and so forth. So that was passed on to my contact, who called me a couple hours later, and he says, I I think your suspicions are correct. This kid is is a known associate of a cartel. Wow. The, the very next day, uh, his boss had me come down to the Tucson office and uh, he said, Mike, uh, we think we're into something serious here and we're asking for your help. You think that you can help us. Are you willing to help us? And I said, sure. What do I got to lose? So how long do you think this will take? He said probably three weeks max. We, we want you to sell those other lowers to him this week. We're going to follow them. We're going to do some surveillance investigation and so forth, but I don't see this going any farther than, than three weeks. Mm. Well, three weeks turned into three years. During the course of that time, I sold guns to over five different cartels, mostly from the living room of my home. Um, it just seemed that every time that we gained a customer, we gained another two customers. At that time, back in 2006, the entire Tucson office uh, of ATF devoted to violent crime had just seven agents. It's four times that size now. Wow! Uh, but just seven agents. And we worked really hard. And I was convinced that our efforts were to take down a drug cartel. What I realized at the end of those three years was this had nothing to do about taking down a drug cartel or making our country a better place. The fact of the matter was all we were doing was supplying guns to Mexican cartels, hoping, not me, but ATF, hoping they would show up at the scene of a violent crime. That way they could go out in front of the American public and say, look what's happening to these poor innocent Mexicans because of American guns. We need to do something about it. If that doesn't sound right to you, research uh, Eric Holder. Just three weeks into the administration, they asked him uh, if he intended to do anything about gun laws. And he said, overall, we don't think we need to, but we do need to reinstate the assault weapons ban because innocent Mexicans are dying at the hands of American guns. Wow. So you talk about telegraphing a punch. The people that were involved in Operation Wide Receiver, which actually started in 2006 under the Bush administration, were all the same people that were principals in Operation Fast and Furious. It's just that under the Obama administration, that operation grew fourfold. Wow. Four times the size of what it was, uh, when I was involved with it, and I was involved, I was actively involved from 2006 to 2010, working for uh, ATF in the capacity of a confidential informant.
0: Jeez, well, I'm stunned in silence here because, you know, I feel like there's enough out there for the ATF to have to to actually like go out and investigate crimes and. And take care of uh, you know business without creating work for themselves. and that sounds to be sounds to me like that's exactly what they were doing. but it it's even more nefarious than that when they want to try and lay the blame at the feet of the gun dealers that are uh, helping the cause, if you will, or think they're doing the right thing for the you know all the right reasons. And yet,
3: well, and, and if you remember, it was at this time, you know, early in the Obama administration that Hillary Clinton came out and said, the problem with guns in Mexico is that 90% of the American gun dealers are corrupt. (sighs) Just threw that out where that number came from. I don't, yeah, it's impossible to know, but they were trying to villainize uh, the gun dealers. In fact, We had a local reporter here in Tucson uh, that wrote for the Arizona Daily Star that did his very best to villainize me as a gun dealer, so willing to compromise my integrity for the few dollars I was making on the guns that I was selling to the cartels at the behest of the government. Keep in mind, I didn't do anything on my own other than those, those first six lowers that I sold this one individual. And the only reason I really sold them to him was so that I could collect that data of what, you know, where those, where this fellow lived and so forth, so it could be investigated. Everything else that I did in the next three years was at the behest, it was at at the um, direction of uh, the ATF agent, the local agent, the resident agent in charge in Tucson, um, uh, Jack Higman, he was my big boss my case agent was Brandon Garcia if the name Brandon Garcia sounds familiar uh a couple of weeks ago on the internet his resignation letter from the ATF became public it was leaked by somebody if you get a chance google that uh Brandon M Garcia resignation letter and he details all the things that are currently wrong with with that agency and as you mentioned they have a long and rich history of creating crime where no crime existed. Right. Um, this this whole thing that became Operation Wide Receiver, it really could have been done in a weekend. I mean, they could have gone and arrested these guys, and that would have taken somebody else certainly would have filled their shoes. But they knew at that time, or the leadership knew at that time, that's not what they were interested in. They were just interested in getting those guns to Mexico.
0: Mm. And you know what, the the worst part of this is people died. Uh, American citizens died. I don't know how many total, but we do know of Brian Terry uh, who died as a result. And that's probably what blew the lid off this thing, wouldn't you agree?
3: Oh, I, I agree 100%. And, uh, you know, the, the frustrating thing of it was I was talking to, Uh, a Tucson agent. And he told me that within hours of Brian Terry being killed, they knew that one of the guns on the scene was a fast and furious gun. Mm. And as soon as that happened, uh, ATF started moving backwards, trying to cover their tracks. It was at a, uh, a news conference, not long after Brian Terry's death, that Bill Newell, who was the resident, uh, not the resident, but the, the, special agent in charge of the Phoenix office, which covers all of Arizona and New Mexico, quite a big territory came out and said at a, at a news conference that absolutely no guns, uh, were allowed to walk across the border as part of any investigation, which we know is a lie.
0: Right. Unbelievable. You know, this, uh, what brought me to, reach out to you was I was investigating not investigating I was commenting on you know the Operation Fearless in Milwaukee and uh, there was another uh, one in Massachusetts here called Operation Fugazi where the uh, FBI and the Uh, ATF, the FBI ended up bowing out because it was too corrupt for them, if you can believe that. But (laughs) (laughs) that's saying something about the investigation you're running when the FBI won't even be a part of it with all the mess that they've they've stepped in. Right. And
3: and they they used to be considered the adult in the room. And gosh, look at them now.
0: Right. And so this is the most amazing thing to me. If you could put a bow on this, it would be like, there's still people that go go out there and say, why does anyone need an AR-15? Or why does anyone need uh, a 30-round magazine? Why does anyone need blah, 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 fill in the blank? And yet you have government agencies actively out there making the world a more dangerous place in their endeavor to what, you know, arrest criminals or uh,
3: a political agenda. I mean, it's it's always been the democratic agenda and uh, keep in mind this, the operation wide receiver started under Bush. These people were flying low under the radar. And for instance, we needed to get, I say, we, like I'm an agent when they needed to get, uh, to tap somebody's phone. Uh, It's, that's not an easy thing to do legally. And it requires, uh, uh, huge submission of paperwork to go in front of a judge well they knew the judges that would actively help them promote their agenda Mm. they knew who to go to to get this signed off on and so they were able to fly under the radar uh bush's attorney general had no idea this was going on absolutely no idea Mm. and uh you know until it became fast and furious bigger in size. And then you had one agent out of all the agents between Tucson and Phoenix, you had John Dotson who stood up and said, yeah, we've been doing that. And for his loyalty and for his honesty and integrity, he's been ostracized. He's still an ATF agent. Although he walks into the office every morning, people look at him, turn their backs, you know, if he goes in the lunchroom, somebody's having a conversation, the conversation stops. Hey, can I help you with this? No, we don't want your help. Wow. That is his reward for being a good, honest agent with integrity. Um, so that's the mindset uh, that you're dealing with. That's what the, the office environment is like is, hey, you, you know, do what you're told to do. Don't ask too many questions. Don't rock the boat. And you'll, you'll get along fine. You'll get promotions. You'll get pay raises. You'll get your pension.
0: Amazing. Rock the
3: boat. You're going to be really sorry you ever
0: did that. Well, I want to th- thank you uh, for shining the light on this. Uh, where can people go to find your book um, if they want to read more about this?
3: Easiest place is, is Amazon. It's called Operation Wide Receiver. Uh, you can search it by that title or by my name, Mike Dettie, D-E-T-T-Y. Uh, I think, uh, they've got it, uh, paperback, Kindle, and also on audio. Um, awesome. it's not a, it, it's, it's not a story that you'll read and get a, get a good feeling. It doesn't have a happy ending other than I wasn't killed even after I was exposed by our own government. Um,
0: well, let me hold but you there, because I want to talk more on that on another one. We'll, we'll get into that for sure. And, uh, but okay. go to Amazon.com, type in uh, Operation Wide Receiver, author Mike Deddy. Thanks so much for joining us today. And uh, we're headed for a break, but before we go, you should head over to CapeGunworks.com and use this week's special discount code CAPECOD for your entire purchase on, Cape, on uh, CapeGunworks.com. We'll be right back after this. This is Rapid Fire. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. It's a rapid fire, your weekly show about guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self defense, and we're talking right now all about self defense with Barrett Kendrick from Bear Co. Training. How are you today, Barrett?
5: I am doing great, Toby. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, my pleasure, and uh, it's always good to talk to you. Um, so, what have you been up to lately? Uh, I know you've been a busy guy. You're always training somewhere, here, there, and everywhere. But why don't you give us an update on where you've been and what you got coming up?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's, you know, this is one of my busiest times of the year over the summer with traveling. And so I, I've been to uh, several different places over the past couple of months, uh, literally from the west coast, uh, down to the southern east coast. And I was out in California. I, I, I tell people kind of just above Mexico, right? It's south of San Diego, but it's a whole lot closer to Mexico than anything else. It's kind of south of the uh, border patrol check station. I was there for five days uh, teaching instructor development for the USUCA uh, Defensive Shooting Fundamentals uh, Instructor Classes. Had a great group of students, wide variety of backgrounds, some new to instructing, some you know full-time uh, law enforcement careers where they've uh, been instructed for many years. But it was a great group of people. Uh, and uh, from there, spent some time in Texas uh, doing a lot of the same. Uh, Northern Louisiana uh, teaching active shooter response to a. A church facility up there, uh, as well as I just actually came back from the the southern, uh, southeast coast of Florida, uh, in the Fort Lauderdale, Miami area, providing active shooter response training for a school district down there. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of always exciting to do to be preparing teachers for coming into the the new school year. Because look, man, I'm a dad, you know, right? I've got kids, and you know, I hand them over to teachers from throughout the school year, and I want I know that I want my teachers uh, to be prepared as well as any uh teachers of other kids as well.
0: Yeah.
5: Uh, but yeah, so it's it's been it's been a really a busy couple of months, a lot of travel, a lot of miles, uh, both flying as well as in the vehicle, but I'm excited to to come visit y'all. So I'm headed up that way, right? So yeah. I'm here almost a week, uh, I guess about a week from tomorrow. I'll be uh, flying up uh, to Massachusetts uh, to teach in uh, five days of instructor development uh, for the USCCA Defensive Shooting Fundamentals Program. So, man, I'm excited to get up there. Beautiful area uh, right there on the coast of the Cape. And uh, hopefully I'll spend a little bit of extra time this year, maybe doing some fishing or something.
0: Yeah, that would be great. It's going to be awesome to have you here. Uh, And, you know, what? so after you're here, which, by the way, if you want to sign up for that class, you can go to uh dot com or com. Do I have that right? What's your email, what's your website?
5: Yeah, that is correct. Bearcotraining.com, B as in boy, E-A-R-C-O, the word training.com. Uh that gets you to the direct links for
0: it. Yeah, so you can take the end user class or if you're interested in taking your uh, your game to the next level and you want to become an instructor, that'd be a great class to jump in, uh, with Barrett, he gets out here maybe once a year. So it'd be an excellent opportunity. And, uh, you've been part of the PDN training tour and doing some classes for them. Uh, this is probably your, you've been with them since the start of the PDN training tour pretty much, right?
5: Yeah, pretty much since the start. Uh, I've been around it, I think since the start, but I've been teaching as part of it, you know, for nearly, you know, the last decade or so, uh, and, yeah, so it's, uh, it's been it's been real good along the way.
0: Yeah, that's great. And if you want to check out the PDN Training Tour and the classes coming up on that, you can go to, uh, I think it's PDN Training Tour or PDNTraining.com, if I'm not mistaken. But I'll drop the link in the chat if I got that wrong. Do you know what the link is?
5: Yeah. Uh, the PersonalDefenseNetwork.com is probably going to be the easiest okay. way. And then there is a link that gets you over to the Training Tour calendar. Obviously instructors like myself are teaching on the tour. We're teaching everything from defensive handgun use, defensive rifle use, but, uh, they, I I had Taser certification courses earlier on during the tour. I, uh, there's a lot of other instructors offering everything from uh, trauma medicine to, uh, long range, uh, uh, marksmanship shooting uh, to personal defense classes so uh-huh. yeah there's a lot of instructors in a lot of different areas uh, lots of different backgrounds with the instructors offering classes all over the country awesome and well, even you know in, in other countries at times well.
6: that's
0: great man well we're looking forward to having you here next week so uh, thanks so much Barrett for jumping in and if you want to check out his website what he's got coming up it's bearcotraining.com b-e-a-r-c-o training.com so thanks so much buddy we'll see you next week We're going to break. You should go to rapidfireradio.us and check out the latest Rapid Fire gear. Show your Pro 2A by wearing a shirt, hat, or hang a flag and go to rapidfireradio.us and click on Get Rapid Fire Gear. We will be right back.
2: Made in America since 1949.
3: Family owned and operated. Legendary performance. This is Hornady.
0: If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281 603 0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from US Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from US Law Shield today.
4: Snap Safe. Featuring a pry resistant 316th inch solid steel door, 2300 degree Fahrenheit one hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. Snap Safe, a modular safe with welded safe security.
0: Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self defense, and 508. 444 2120 is the live phone number you can call into Rapid Fire. Or you can text or call the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. Leave a message when we're not broadcasting or text your question. Just leave your name, location, and your question to 508-444-2120. And make sure you tune in every week, and we'll try to get to all of your questions. So, man, that was a crazy couple of interviews, um, getting back to the uh the one with mike deddy um you know there's so much more i'd like to talk about there with him and we'll definitely have him on a show uh coming up again maybe at some point we might even have to do the long format um you know version of that show and oh my. and basically go an hour you could easily do an hour or two with that so um and ammoland.com has a copy of the uh Letter of resignation from Brandon Garcia, uh, who is a career agent in the ATF, and he, you know, posted his resignation letter, and it is a fascinating read. I uh, have read a bunch of it, and you're not going to believe it. But uh, one thing I actually just want to read real quick from that letter. It's a six-page letter, and uh, he said in his resignation letter. Did our leaders forget that ATF agents are law enforcement? Most agents are pro-gun. Elegance should be anti-criminal. All agents, excuse me, you know, punctuation is key. So a space between all and agents. I'm like, elegance, that's a new one on me. (laughs) All agents should be anti-criminal. We did not become ATF agents so we could collect data ensure firearms are in compliance, seize trigger groups, argue about what firearm is or is not, seize firearms for reasons other than prosecuting criminals, or spend countless hours inputting data to justify someone else's existence in headquarters. We became ATF agents so we could work the streets and smack evil in the mouth. We took this job because we are willing to risk it all, and hope that we can make the streets just a little bit safer for the law-abiding, upstanding citizens of the USA. At least that's why I became an ATF agent. And the sad takeaway of this is, that's the guy I want to stay on and make significant changes, but he can't stay on in good conscience when he's being told to break his oath to the Constitution in his daily routine as an agent. And this is something that Ted Nugent shines the light on very, very well. Um, And that is most agents go along to get along because they don't want to risk losing their pension. So they were willing to break their oath on a day-to-day basis and do what they're told and kind of put the blinders on and followed orders because they're afraid to lose their pension. So here's a man, uh, Brandon Garcia, who is standing up and after 30 plus years in the ATF saying, I can't do it any longer. My conscience has got the better of me. I can no longer take you know, this job and go out every day in the direction that this country is headed and the direction that this agency is headed. And I think this is very um, poignant. If you look at it in light of the story that Mike Detty was telling, and also you read fast and furious, you read those other, uh, those other stories of the gun walks, basically these gun walk operations and um, you know, the other failed, operations like uh, like the one in Milwaukee that I talked about, Operation Fearless and Operation Fugazi in New Bedford. Um, and these these agents are violating their oath of office to uphold the Constitution. And I would like to see more of this. Unfortunately, the better guys end up going away, and all that's left are the ones who are willing to look the other way or acid wash their conscience and say hey you know i have to do this cuz my family needs to be fed and i need my pension and they're in a they're in a tough situation uh and i'm not saying that every agent is bad i'm not saying that i think probably the vast majority of them are good uh but at some point they need to stand up for the constitution that they have sworn to uphold and this goes for any police agency i'm not talking just atf or fbi or federal agencies but you know how about local state and local police sheriff's departments um one thing i've found is sheriff's departments seem to be a little bit more or less apt to um to bend their or compromise their oath of office than some of the bigger law enforcement agencies And and so, you know, they have really held these some state states and cities together uh, through their policing efforts. And in a state like Massachusetts, where the sheriffs really don't have any policing powers, they are more the administration or the agency that administers the, the jail system and the guards and prison guards. And they're basically the correctional officers. Um, but in other States they have serious police powers and they hold a lot of power and in some cases are an elected position. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a really powerful position. Um, and I know I've done this, I did this two weeks in a row now where I took up the whole show and I didn't really get a chance to get to any of your questions, but I'm going to hit on a few in the last couple of minutes here. Um, 500 Magnum asks, do I ever carry a revolver for my EDC? You love to carry a 38 special. I do have, um, a, and I'll even hold it up for the camera for those who are watching a Smith and Wesson, uh, SP 101 with the high polish and the bobbed hammer in 357 Magnum. And I love this gun. I have owned it for years. I actually bought it for my wife and then she, Uh, shot it once and handed it back and said, thanks, but no thanks. And so (laughs) uh, it's become one of my guns. Ah! Another one of those, you buy your wife a gun and you end up with it. Uh, So anyway, Uh, B is wondering if I take in off-roster guns on trade. Uh, Yes, we do, uh, because we can sell them online. Uh, So we do from time to time. And you're looking for a 509C. I believe we have those in stock. So go ahead and bring in your trade and we'll We'll work with you on that. Um, let's see. Uh, Cape Cod is saying that the hat I'm wearing, which is a CGW hat, would be a good uh, start to a conversation if someone asks, what's CGW? And, um, yeah, I think it would be a great great conversation starter. Um, you can tell them it's Cape Gunworks, my favorite gun store, and go online and get my discount code, Cape Cod, <laughs> uh, to, to save a good percentage off my entire order but um, we'll get to more of your questions in the second hour so if you're listening on the radio we'll see you next time but you're going to have to tune in at rapidfireradio.us to get the second hour of content we're going to get to more of your questions we have some bonus content coming up after the show so you want to stick around for that remember guys uh freedom will always be on the right side of history so stay tuned in and we will see you next time god bless i'm toby leary
4: tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex.
0: Alexander Hamilton said, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. This is Toby from Cape Gunworks. When our founding fathers drafted the Second Amendment, there was no question of its meaning. Today, if you have questions, come to Cape Gunworks for some advice, training, or to send a few rounds downrange. We have a fully stocked pro shop with a huge selection of guns, crossbows, archery, classes, rentals, a 15-lane range, and a friendly staff. Come on down to Cape Gunworks
2: Airport Road Hyannis or capegunworks.com. This is the Voltec VT-10i. the VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, key entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltechSafe.com and find us online at facebook.com/volttechsafe.
0: If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. Show All Things Guns, Freedom, Second Amendment. It's a two way talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics. So tune in each week at rapidfireradio.us to join the conversation. And now you can call or text the Rapid Fire line 508 444 2120. That's 508 444 2120. Remember to like us on all the social media platforms. Our handle is at Kate Gunworks, except for Instagram. It's CGW underscore backup or Rapid Fire Radio. So <clears throat> we had a fast and furious uh, first hour, no pun intended, and uh, it's it was you know really interesting conversation with uh, with uh, Mike Deddy and also Barrett Kendrick. Uh, love having both those guys on the show. It was really good, and uh, so. Getting back to some of the stuff we're talking about, and then we're going to get to your questions, and um, it's it's really interesting, but uh, the Supreme Court is considering a concealed carry reciprocity and nonviolent person consideration. Uh, this is a Massachusetts-based case, and we will know more about it in September, whether or not they will take it or remand it back to the lower court, so it's really interesting. I'm from Massachusetts, so I'm fingers crossed, but... The long and short of this case is there was this doctor who had his concealed carry permit and he I think he went down to Washington DC years ago like in 2016 or something like that and he was about to go into one of the museums and they had a big sign no firearms allowed so he talked to a security about maybe declaring the gun and storing it in a locker or something so he could go on the tour and Basically, they summons the police and they arrested him for illegal possession of a firearm. And he didn't know he couldn't be in Washington, D.C. at the time without a uh, concealed weapons permit that they wouldn't even issue in in D.C. And so he, uh, you know, was arrested, taken down. You know, they ended up releasing him and, you know, it, it caused a whole bunch of drama and problems for him. And then fast forward when his mass license to carry expired they used that as a suitability type of situation to not renew his license. And he fought it. He appealed and said, hey, whoa, you know, I, I'm i not a violent person. I've done nothing wrong. Um, I've dealt with the issue down in Washington, D.C. Honestly, didn't know about it. But this could be actually another landmark ruling that if they rule, you know, under the text tradition and history of the second amendment, whether or not it's appropriate to, um, arrest this guy who was duly licensed in his own state when he left the state, uh, because he wasn't licensed in that state. I think this could be awesome. And hopefully the Supreme court will hear the case, um, and not remand it to the lower court. Cause basically if they find in favor of him, then basically it's, it's national reciprocity without having to enact a law that says national reciprocity. Cause we all know before there were licensing requirements, people took their guns and went wherever they wanted to. Right. So that was known and it was obvious and it was the way things were. And it wasn't until each individual state started to require permits and licenses and, uh, you know, then they could restrict you from carry or not carry. You know, it, it was basically in the home and not in the home. So we have this whole labyrinth of law on state levels prohibiting people from out of state. But um, I think this is more of a bigger picture issue, and honestly, it, it goes down comes down to something that's so obvious, uh, obviously, an infringement upon our Second Amendment. That I think it would be really good. Uh, obviously, they could just knock it down to the to the district court. And thankfully, um, when they reenacted his license, he had the wherewithal and the fortitude to continue the lawsuit because they were trying to get it dismissed as moot now that they had reissued his license. And, and he basically said, no, 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 no. we're, we're still going to push forward. Because his rights were infringed upon for a long period of time while they were trying to keep him from getting his license again and i i see I see that uh, sometimes courts will dismiss it as moot um, even when there's merit to hear the case and that's what the the m o has been in new York and there was, there was a, a another case before the Supreme Court. Uh, in the last session, not the one that just expired, but the one before that, when there were ten different gun cases, and one of them was: Can the state of, uh, can the city of New York City, uh, m- make a law that says you can't carry a gun outside the home, even if it's to go to the range, like in the western part of the state or the northern part of the state, where the concealed carry isn't prohibited, like it is in New York City? So this was a one of those cases. Uh, I think it was another one, the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association was the plaintiff in, and they took it um, to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court declined to hear it, and they dismissed it as moot because the New York City acquiesced and basically said, okay, we're just kidding. Yeah, for decades we've been require, you know, making it illegal for people to take their gun outside the home, but now somebody challenged this, and we're going to say, just kidding. Uh, you can go ahead and take your gun outside the home. And I think that was a situation that should have been heard by the Supreme Court, but they um, didn't hear it, and they said, oh, it's all moot because now you can take your gun out. Well, then they just changed the wording of the law, and they reinstitute it, and now you got to, you know, appeal it for decades and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. It goes back to the first hour's discussion about um, the taxing the gun industry into oblivion, well, this is a similar tactic, and they just basically uh, pass a law that they know is unconstitutional, and it might get dismissed at the first pass at the district level if they get the right judge. And now they have to appeal it and up to the, you know, Court of Appeals, and then they may or may not hear it, and then it has to get appealed again up to the Supreme Court level. So it's. You know, it's a uh, never ending cycle and thankfully i think bruin put a stop to this and uh you know put an end to this which is much needed so anyway um but what do you think 508-444-2120 you can call text or leave a message 508-444-2120 we're going to jump back on a couple of your questions before i get back to my stack of stuff um but uh let's see um Davey says, I just put a green dot on my uh, 509 tactical. Where should the dot be? In the center of the glass or just about the suppressor height sights like a golf ball on a tee? Um, I like it right in the center of the glass. When people try to co-witness it with sights, um, you're defeating the purpose of a red or a green dot sight. Uh, I think that it makes sense if it lines up, but if you have suppressor height sights. But don't get all confused about, oh, I got a make sure it co-witnesses because the only thing worse than lining up three things, which is what you have to do with iron sights, you have to line up the target, the front sight and the rear sight. When you put a red dot, the only thing worse than that is lining up four things. So now you've got the target, the front sight, the red dot, the rear sight, which is really ridiculous. So you're defeating the whole purpose of the red dot sight, which is, or the green dot in your case. So when you drive the gun out and that dot is visible in the reticle, and you press the trigger, it goes where you're looking. Uh, so I would set it up somewhere in the middle of the reticle um, and ignore the sites altogether. So hopefully that's helpful, Davey. Um, let's see, uh, 50 following along. Let's see how many at the end of the show. Good point, Gwebs. Um, um, if you type your questions into the chat, and you know, you'll help the algorithm uh, bump us up, that'd be great. Um, and 500 Magnum is asking a really tricky question. Uh, Toby, what is your favorite caliber of all? And that is a tough one because I don't like to get painted into a corner. But if it's for defense, 9mm. If it's for fun, uh, I like 300 blackout when it comes to the uh, AR-15 platform. And I'll I'll be happy to talk more about that. Um, But that's a good one. But uh, 300 Win Mag is another one of my faves. 270. So it's hard to pick one. It's like your kids. You can't say, I love you more than the others. But if you're hearing this and you don't have your gun license, we have regularly scheduled LTC classes, including ladies-only classes and couples classes. So sign up at capegunworks.com. And we have attorney Keith Langer next, so you don't want to miss out on that. We will be right back. This is Rapid Fire.
2: This is the Voltec VT-10i. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, key entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong. And Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months. So it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltechSafe.com and find us online at facebook.com/bolttechsafe.
0: If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. The Fire, your 2A Talk Radio show, where you can call into the show or text your question anytime, 508-444-2120. Please include your first name, location, and your question to 508-444-2120. And if we don't answer your question during this show, we'll make sure you tune in next time, and we'll try to get to it then. And one of the chief question answerers on this show, as it pertains to law, is attorney Keith Langer, and he is joining us on the phone right now. Thank you for joining us, Keith. How are you today? Just fine. Yourself? I'm doing great. It's been a uh, great, you know, lots of news out there to talk about in the gun world. So um, I wanted to ask you a question that came up yesterday on the Grace Curley Show, and uh, we took one of the... It was one of the shows I've done with her that we had a lot of callers and we were going through them really fast. And I I, I hate to say somebody actually stumped the chump, which isn't as hard as it seems, especially with me. <laughs> but uh, somebody asked me a question. I didn't have the proper re- legal answer for him. I know what I would tell him to be on the safe side. But um, he basically asked if he's going to the range, packs up his gun bag at the house And the gun is unloaded in the bag and he locks it in the trunk. Is he legal to then drive to the range or does the gun itself need to be locked or rendered, uh, you know, in some way, you know, from somebody getting access to it? Or is the trunk sufficient enough uh, to satisfy the law? And I said, geez, I'll have to circle back with you. And So here we are. I'm asking the man who would know. uh, And what do you think?
1: I think he needs to read NES or GOAL or COM 2A or any other device that have answered this question about 400 times in the past half decade. It's a very simple answer. If it is an actual trunk, not the back of a pickup, not the back of a sport, you, the trunk of an actual car, then being locked in that trunk is sufficient. Cool. That's under 140, Section 131C. Now, they changed that statute a bit. It still requires a handgun, which is, to say, a firearm, which the state still defines in most sections of the law as a handgun. A loaded handgun has to be under your direct control. Mm -hmm. There's no definition of direct control, but I think it's safe to say a glove box ain't it, and a center console is marginal. The safe way is on you. A large capacity rifle or shotgun has to be unloaded and the trunk is fine. Now, interestingly enough, the statute only applies to handguns and large capacity rifles and shotguns. So theoretically you can throw your grand or your Springfield or your standard SKS, one that wasn't modified with the aftermarket AK adapter in the back seat and go toddling off to the range. That doesn't mean that you might not get some issues with the cop if you're actually stopped, but the statute only applies to handguns and large capacity rifles and shotguns. That's what it was beforehand substantively. What they did was remove the now superfluous language about LTCBs and add Summary, revocation of a license if you violate it. Actually, if you just charge with violating it. And if convicted, you can't even apply for a new license until one year after the date of revocation.
0: Hmm. I'm sure they're not exactly real quick to give you the license back, even if you could, were eligible to apply, right? Well, they failure
1: fail you under suitability, even though suitability is questionable under the Bruin decision because it's a fairly arbitrary standard. But if you had a a conviction for unlawful transport, then that would probably hold up in court. Mm.
0: Do you think, does that same wording in the law apply under the Freedom of, uh, you know, Protection Act or whatever, the FOIPA there, the... Uh, you mean FOPA? FOPA,
1: yeah. Of... Yeah. Well, the bottom line is under FOPA, FOPA language controlled, which is unloaded, locked, unavailable, with ammunition separate. Mm-hmm. There's no mention of ammunition in the Massachusetts statute other than the gun has to be unloaded.
0: Sure.
1: So all these twits would think they're gonna be Rambo and go running around with their shotgun or the AR loaded in the trunk. That's not complying with the statute under Massachusetts or federal law.
0: Right. Now, what about if the magazines could be loaded, though, correct?
1: Load all the magazines you want. Yeah. It says Nothing about ammunition, nothing about magazines. Just make sure the magazines aren't in the, in the gun.
0: Now, what about, um, like, if... You have a truck cap, for instance, with like locking toolboxes or a locking toolbox on the back of a pickup truck, uh, you know, something like that where you could slide the guns into that and lock it. Is that would that be considered the same as a trunk?
1: If they wanted to say that, they'd have said that. It says trunk. Mm-hmm. So, what your excuse would be for doing that is. The rest of the statute says in a locked case or other secure container. Can you convince the court that a locking toolbox or a locking bed cap is a secure container? Some sport youths have hidden uh, storage areas, locking storage areas under the seats. Mm. That would almost certainly qualify as a locked case. A locking toolbox, you know, big contractor's toolbox on the back of the bed, a locking bed cap. The further you get away from the actual language of the statute, the more, uh, the undertaking is. Of course, the question is, if it is duly secured in a truly locked bed cap, in a truly locked toolbox secured to your bed, not a toolbox sliding around in the back, uh, then the question is, how is it the police even know it's in there? right? That's always the real question. Why are they finding the gun at all? Unless it's laying in the back of your seat like it is for me when I go off to the range because I'm only going across town and I know the statute doesn't apply to my M1 Garand or my 03 Springfield. You know, How would the cops even see it?
0: Well, you know there's speculation that when you get pulled over, say you say you do a rolling stop through the stop sign or some stupid thing like that, and you get pulled over and there's some speculation that they know you have a license to carry when they run your plate or grab your driver's license and so if they were to ask you, are there any guns in the car at that point because they see that you're a you have a or maybe there's an n r a sticker on your window or something who knows, but if they ask you, that would be the the only reason I could think of that they would, you know, suspect there's a gun in the car.
1: And if they asked the correct answer is duly secured in a locked container per statute, <laughs> That's which, is, good. which yeah. is the answer I gave the one time that happened to me because I was coming from
0: a club. Nice. I, I got pulled over once. I might've told this story once before. I don't know when I was moving and I had a, Regular cab pickup, so it wasn't an extended cab pickup, and the truck looked like the Clampets going down to Beverly Hills. Uh, the back of the truck had everything I owned in it. You know, this I was about eighteen years old, and uh, might have been nineteen, but uh, eighteen years old, and I have my bureau, my mattress flapping halfway back in the wind, you know, and everything else. I literally looked like the Clampets. So I had every gun I owned on the passenger seat, which was substantial at the time for an eighteen-year-old. But they're all in cases and rifle cases and, you know, original lock boxes and everything. And uh, my driver's side mirror was uh, broken uh, because of, well, that's a story for another day. But uh, (laughs) it's a good one, though. Uh, But that was broken. So I didn't know the cop was behind me until he pulled into the breakdown lane and put his siren on. So I pulled over and he walked up and he looked through the window at, all the rifle cases and pistol cases I had in there. And he said, do you have any uh, firearms in the vehicle? (laughs) And I literally just pointed. I didn't even say anything. It was pretty funny. And he goes, all right, yeah, that's cool. Don't worry, I'm not going to give you a hard time. And then he went back into his car and whatever. He was really cool about it. But uh, I thought it was a trick question. You know, are you setting me up here? Do I have any? Yeah, I got everyone I own, sir. (laughs) It was pretty funny, but... Hey, uh, not to completely change and pull something out of left field, but um, have you heard of any talk about any new additions to the approved weapons roster coming down uh, the Gun Control Advisory Board highway anytime soon?
1: Oh, well, I see the usual uninformed comments about how More Healy's blocking it, but that's nonsense. The bottom line is, in my experience, they post a new roster when they have new guns added to it. The last time I was dealing with the board was back in January. They added a number of new firearms, including a number of guns to the target roster, which is unusual. And that's the roster I had my client gun placed on, the Taurus Steel Challenge Ready 22. And the new roster was out in four, maybe five weeks top. Mm-hmm. So if you're not seeing a new roster, chances are no new guns were submitted.
0: Well, I know guns were submitted. I personally know for a fact by three different manufacturers. So, um, you know, when the documents were submitted that um, I don't know. I know all the testing had been done and they submitted all the all the, the testing documents and guns to the gun control advisory board. But I have not. Uh, heard anything and it's been months and i know there's If supposed to one of
1: the manufacturers and it'd been months and nothing had been scheduled i'd be contacting the gcab chair to find out why with an application pending more than two months ago a gcab meeting had not been scheduled and no i don't want to hear about covid because that's nonsense
0: right well um i thought you know if there's guns that have been submitted they're obligated to report you know four times a year under the law and they never do that anymore but um unfortunately uh you can't even
1: find the agenda online which they're
0: supposed to do right yeah it's unbelievable that's why we got to stop giving them all this power take it back (laughs) thank you keith i appreciate it um and how do people contact you
1: They contact me by going to the website Keith, K-E-I-T-H, at KGLangerLaw.com or just by calling the office, 508-384-8692. Again, 508-384-8692. I'll be there.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time. Uh, We'll be right back. This is Rapid Fire. the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex Difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Federal ammunition is 100. This is where the American ingenuity met a trailblazing spirit. Hard work united with patriotism and technology blended with new ideas. That's federal ammunition. Right here in Anoka, Minnesota, born in 1922, made in America, and proud to be the best. Federal ammunition, a century of innovation, and we're only getting started. Hey everyone, welcome back to Rapid Fire, and don't forget about our friendly shooting contest for all levels this September 10th, it's Veterans Top Shot Invitational, and there's still some openings, and it's going to be epic, Uh, it supports great veterans charities, go to top, veterans top, I'm sorry, go to topshotinvitational.com to sign up today, that's topshotinvitational.com, get your four-man team together, and prepare to be awesome, uh, it's going to be some great prizes and giveaways and vendors and all kinds of stuff, grab bags. And last year was awesome. This year is going to be better. So looking forward to that. But um, anyway, I want to thank Keith Langer for joining us. Uh, it was a, uh, It's always good to talk to him. And we're going to jump back to your questions right now uh, because I've been neglecting you all on the chat. <laughs> so um, let's see. 500 Magnum says, Toby, our government wants to do to us what Australia government did to them. Um, and we're the criminals. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it certainly makes it easier to control and contain an unarmed populace, right? Uh, and Gwebs popped the link to Operation Wide Receiver and, and Informant's struggle to expose the corruption and deceit that led to Operation Fast and Furious. You can find that book out on Amazon. And... uh Let's see. uh, 500 says anyone that violates the Constitution should be immediately fired. I would agree. I don't know how they're not. And you know what the other thing that really, as Mayor Mumbles Menino used to say, really fries my nose is when the, the feds come talk to you, if you were to lie to them, you can be charged with lying to a federal agent. Right. Very serious crime, by the way. But yet, it's kind of part of their repertoire to lead you and lie to you. And that's okay. I think the federal agent that lies to someone in an investigation should be charged with a federal agent lying to a citizen, which should be even more egregious and serious than a citizen lying to a federal agent. Um, I don't think lying should be a part of our society, period, but... Let's call a spade a spade. It's perjury if you do it under oath. And it's a serious crime if you do it to a federal agent. And the federal agent and the people in policing practices, it's good technique in their, uh, you know, endeavor to try to get a confession or et cetera, et cetera. I think that's ridiculous. So, Anyway, um, I don't know why I got off on that tangent, but uh, that is, oh, you know what it was? Uh, when I was reading that letter from um, that that uh, leaked ATF agent's uh, resignation letter, he talks about that during uh, COVID, that everyone had to update their status. They were told they had to get the vaccine, and if they didn't, that that they would uh that they would be fired and so they they actually teased it out there and said um by the way if you lie about your vaccination status uh you will be charged with lying to a federal agent <laughs> and these are federal agents so the federal agent will be charged with lying to a federal agency so uh and then there were people who applied for a medical exemption i'm sorry a religious exemption and then they were basically uh mocked and their faith was called into question uh and you know shamed them into actually getting the the jab and so uh that's one of the reasons this agent had resigned from the atf um i don't know if this was the tipping point but anyway um there you have it so all right let's get back to your questions um Let's see, uh, g Webbs posted a link to the Border Patrol agent uh, Brian Terry's memorial page, which has a lot of good information there uh, about the U.S. Customs and Border Patrol agent and uh, you know his areas of opera- responsibility and whatnot. And that was the tragic outcome of Fast and Furious from some of those guns that made their way to the cartels and you know, ended up being used against one of our own, which is awful. So, um, Jorge asks, what do I think about the Bear Creek pistol? Um, the Bear Creek Arsenal pistols are, you know, I'm not overly enamored with Bear Creek's quality. Um, but I have very limited experience with it, to be honest with you. So I, you know, because it's a gun I can't sell in Massachusetts, I haven't bought them and checked them out, but we have brought in some of their, uh, parts and you know we don't sell them anymore because I wasn't thrilled with the quality of their parts so I would assume if their guns are being made out of those parts that you know it's probably a price point gun that you could um, choose to shoot and if it's your life isn't being dependent on it it's probably fine for the average person but um, anyway and uh, the PSA 5.7 Rock I like that gun a lot. Um, I think I would love to be able to sell it, but here in Massachusetts, we can't. So um, it's it's a pretty cool gun. Uh, but tell me what you think. If you disagree with me, 508-444-2120. Um, we got a call. Uh, so 508-444-2120 is the rapid fire line. So uh, give us a call sometime. Go ahead with that call, Colorado.
6: Yeah, a couple of questions. Um, me and my two sons have um, an opportunity to- to do some hunting in Colorado for the next three years. We've got um, just to go once or twice a year. Uh, we've got an opportunity to do that, and we're trying to figure out our uh, rifles are um, sighted for 200 yards, um, but we're trying to find a place in Massachusetts or close by that we could sight our rifles in for 500. So basically, our um, our. our um, Gun range right now. It's 200. We got them sighted in and it's perfect. But we can't find anywhere to sight our rifles in. And if we'd find we'd a place in Maine, but you've got to actually belong to that club. So any ideas on that? And the second is traveling to and from. All three of us are licensed to carry, but um, traveling to and from Boston to Colorado, from, you know, do it a couple times a year. Uh, we'd like to bring, um, handguns with us. will be in the woods for at least a week, maybe more, um, and rifles. So about the traveling and different licensing, do you have to be licensed to carry in Colorado? How's that all going to work? Thanks.
0: All right, cool. Yeah, there's a lot to chew on there. Um, I would recommend... I don't know why anyone would want a 500 yard zero on their rifle, to be honest with you. I would uh, stick with probably a 100 or a 200 yard zero and find out the bullet drop at 500 and make an adjustment. Because the chance of you actually shooting an elk at 500 yards or a deer at 500 yards is probably slim. I mean, there's people that do it. Uh, That's a long shot. You have to be really good. And if you haven't even shot that far because the furthest you can shoot is 200 yards at your local range, I think you're uh, playing with fire as far as uh, punching a tag, and not recovering an animal. So I would just be very careful and wary about that. There's a lot of bullet drop involved at 500 yards, depending on what caliber you you have. The good news is all rifle calibers give you a pretty good guideline on the back of the box. It'll tell you what it's doing at a hundred or 200 or 300 or 400 or 500. Also you can get a scope that will calculate the bullet drop really well. Vortex optics does this great. They have uh, bullet drop compensator built into the gun uh, or into the reticle of the scope. Or you can also figure out the dope, if you will, and dial the scope in. And I'd get something with a zero stop. So in other words, you sight the rifle in at 100 yards and you change the stop on the on the scope turret to zero at 100. So you can always quickly return it back to zero. But you'll figure out through shooting and through um, you know, the math involved, if you run a ballistic calculator, there's many available online. You punch in the length of barrel, the twist rate, the caliber, and the uh, the round that you're using, and it'll tell you exactly how far that bullet's going to drop at whatever distance. And then you can make your sight adjustment on the scope. So, But this isn't something you do uh, kind of on the weekend. Uh, you got to really commit to it, to understanding the ballistics of the gun and uh figuring it out and especially when something as crucial as a hunt is on the line i like 100 yard zeros for hunting uh, because i know it's pretty much point of aim anywhere from 25 yards out to 300 yards i'm pretty much a point of aim at that distance so that's what i like but um check it out and do your do your own research on that and as far as uh traveling with those guns you shouldn't have a problem with a handgun or a rifle going to Colorado as long as you declare them when, and you know you put them in a TSA approved rifle case and you have your own padlocks on those rifle cases and you declare them at at the airport you fill out your firearms declaration card you put it in the case you know you show the agents that they're all empty and not loaded and your ammunition ammunition is separate from it the ammunition ammunition can be checked in your bag believe it or not um but then you just lock up the the case itself and check it and then you pick it up on the other side in Colorado so it's pretty easy to do of broad guns to Colorado a couple times and uh it's not not very difficult so you're allowed to do that it's it's easier than most people and he's declared them
3: every time
0: that's correct except for the time i was coming back from alaska when i forgot and i almost missed my flight and i did hold up a flight over that uh i was that guy that got on after everyone was sitting on the tarmac for 10 minutes and uh, there was almost a round of applause that went up that i finally made it on but really it was the steely dagger stare i was getting from everybody that we were still sitting on the tarmac or they were still sitting on the tarmac uh, I'm sure there was a couple of people that were like, uh, must be from Massachusetts, you know. <laughs> but anyway, um, so so yeah, don't forget to declare your firearm. That's one thing I did forget. But when you travel a lot with firearms, mistakes will be made. Uh, but I'll never make that mistake again. And I promised the TSA agent that decided to take my $1,500 fine off the table that I would never make that mistake again. And I haven't, I haven't since. So anyway, um, yeah. uh, G. webs thinks that we should do a long format show uh, podcast with Mike Deddy, And I think we need to do it. So maybe when I get back from vacation, we'll, we'll do that. Uh, It'd be, it'd be a good one. Um, And Jorge really likes this uh, show. And so I appreciate that. Uh, That's, that's great. Um, I don't think they will become mass compliant, the PSAs or the Bear Creek ar- arsenals. Uh, PSA doesn't really do business with Massachusetts. In fact, I used to do a lot of business with PSA, and then um, after the assault weapons ban, they shut us off. Like, I can't even order a barrel from them. I can't order a lower or an upper receiver or a charging handle. I can't even order a gun that they don't manufacture. Manufacture. They, they just... Totally wrote off Massachusetts altogether, which is completely stupid if you ask me. So for that reason, I'm not too happy with PSA. I used to do a lot of business with them. um, And yeah, now I can't even order a grip screw from them. So there you go, which is really stupid if you ask me. Um, There's no reason to cut the good people of the state off that are trying to make their way in a uh, behind enemy lines, and say, We're just not dealing with your entire state. Like, that's stupid. Like, okay, maybe don't deal with law enforcement. Like, Barrett did that right back in the day when California banned the 50, they came out with the 416 or whatever. Um, but any state that bans a specific gun, Barrett refuses to. Uh, sell to their law enforcement agencies in that state. That's how you do it. You support the people, but you don't support the government. Uh, Anyway, that's how I feel about it. Uh, But let me know what you think. 508-444-2120. And if you travel or you want to get a license to carry in multiple states, check out our Utah 36 State concealed carry class. You get everything you need to apply for the Utah license. At the end of the class, go to capegunworks.com and click on the class link to book the class today. We will be right back. This is Rapid Fire. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today.
4: May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex.
0: Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And one thing I want to talk about uh, that is a story that's on Ammoland.com uh, is there's been a brief filed um, to dismiss the, uh, well, it's the, let's put it this way. It's the first legal challenge submitted to a court relying on the Bruin decision as the reason for the... Uh, you know bringing this case back up, but it's uh the defense representing c r s firearms, which is the company that was commonly known as the auto key card case, so these were the this was the company that had the auto key card. And if you don't know what that is, if you type in autokeycard.com, you'll see that the government has taken over the website, so you're not even going to get access to it. Uh, the two web domains they had, they've seized. The, the government has seized, and the DOJ take, took it over, and they arrested and um, you know criminally charged the uh, owner of the website. And uh, this new brief filed by Hoover's legal team is a motion to, to dismiss the case and declare the National Firearms Act, unconstitutional. Woohoo, bravo, that would be great. Um, let's see what happens, uh, but uh, this brief relies on the recent Supreme Court decision in the New York State Pistol and Rifle Association v. Bruin. The main focus of Bruin was the right of an individual to carry a firearm outside of the home for self-defense. Still, in addition to conforming that right, SCOTUS also ruled that the two-step process that courts have been using in Second Amendment cases was unconstitutional. Uh, This correspondent initially considered the motion to be a Hail Mary type of long shot, After reading the motion, it's a well-reasoned and crafted brief that gives the court several options to dismiss the case. So there's literally like three or four different reasons the court could dismiss this case. And uh, this is also an interesting situation because um, this auto key card is really a a tchotchke. You know, it was something that they made that was kind of like pre-printed metal that you could technically kind of snap out of the thing. And uh, put it in, and it would become a drop in auto sear uh, to an AR 15, I guess. Um, But basically, uh, they said that they were making and manufacturing firearms or machine guns. And uh, it, it wasn't that, it was, you know, kind of the blueprint for it. And in some cases, it's actually the, the, they were charged with basically releasing this information on the internet because it was even, I think, downloadable in a uh, printable version. So if you had some sort of uh, 3D printer, you know, some sort of metal printer or whatever that you could potentially print this out yourself. So really, does the government have the right to restrict information being distributed? So it's a it's an interesting case to watch, and it could have uh, resounding effects on the... NFA, which, again, I think is an unconstitutional um, application. Uh, it's an unconstitutional act, especially with this new single step approach of text, history and tradition. And you hear Joe Biden say like, oh, they didn't you couldn't own cannons when the Second Amendment was written. And that's an outright bald faced lie. There were privateers that owned entire fleets of ships that had multiple cannons on them. And, uh, you know, they owned basically private navies. And, uh, you know, to say that you couldn't own a cannon, nothing could be further from the truth. So the government wasn't restricting any type of arm at the time of the Second Amendment was ratified. And again, I've made this point before, that it is a one-way separation. It is not for government to tell you what you can have. It's for us to... Acknowledge what we are given by our creator, and that government wrote down ensuring that that right would never be infringed. So, the never being infringed part is government's limitation on our right to keep and bear arms, not the other way around. So, they seem to get that confused all the time in Washington, D.C., and in state houses everywhere. But anyway, uh, we have the Veterans Top Shot coming up. There's still spots available. Go to Veterans, uh, go to TopShotInvitational.com to sign up today. It's a shooting contest for all, uh, anyone at any type of uh, experience level. You're going to have a ball. And go to VeteransTopShot.com to get signed up today. You don't want to miss out. It's on September 10th. We'll be right back. This is Rapid Fire.
4: Made in America
3: since 1949 family owned and operated legendary performance this is hornady
0: if you're looking for legal protection text cgwma to 281-603-0066 text cgwma to 281 603 0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self defense insurance. Tech CGWMA to 281 603 0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield
4: today. Snap safe. Featuring a pry-resistant 3 inch solid steel door, 2300-degree Fahrenheit one-hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. SnapSafe, a modular safe with welded safe security.
0: Welcome back to rapid fire. 508-444-2120 is the live number. If you want to call the rapid fire line or leave a message or send us a text, uh, if we're not broadcasting, we'll get to your question next time for sure. 508-444-2120. And I got like a million things to talk about in this last segment. We're never going to have enough time. So I'm going to talk really fast. I got to talk like the micro machines guy. Uh, <laughs> I'm dating myself, the micro machines, but anyway, um, couple quick questions. Is the VP9SK ever going to make the roster? I don't believe so. Um, And I could go on and on about that, but I think we'll have the roster itself challenged before the VP9SK will ever be on the roster. And 500Magnum wants to know, if I like the 57 by 28 you've never shot it. I absolutely love the 57 by 28 for a little while there, I actually carried an FN 57 as my EDC with a Surefire X three hundred flashlight, and somewhere I have the outside the waistband uh, Kydex holster that I had custom made for that. And it's magnagamous. It 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 looks like a a side plate to a chest carrier. It's so big, <laughs> but it's it's a super cool gun, and um, that gun is ah! actually. For rent on my range nowadays, uh, the 57 by 28 I retired and put it as a rental gun on the range. And then they made it mass approved, much to my chagrin. I, I mean, much to my amazement in my uh, applauding them that they sent it out for testing. And now FN, um, who pioneered the 5.7 pistol, Ruger has followed suit. And um, I think it's great. And I'm only going to say this, but there's another manufacturer about to drop a 5.7 pistol. Um, so stay tuned for that. A little bit of a uh, little bit of a uh, scuttlebutt for y'all. Um, stick that in the rumor mill and churn it. <laughs> but you'll see it, I promise. Um Keith is weighing in on a question that was on a chat and uh, it says, I have my LTC in mass. Am I able to buy full capacity magazines and an AR-15 in New Hampshire and bring it back to Massachusetts? And he says, not legally unless they predate the 94 assault weapons ban. Thank you for clearing that up. And uh, let's see. uh, 500 says, I love this show. Great work as always. And um, uh, G-Webs is pointing out that uh, guns and Barbecue doesn't like PSA either, and he's wondering if we have come just become best friends, best Internet buddies. <laughs> uh, and so 500 Magnum also says all weapons and accessories laws are unconstitutional. I agree. And if you're a free citizen, why aren't you a free citizen? You should be able to have anything you want. I agree. So let's get that assault weapons ban challenged. Let's get that uh, roster challenged. Let's get the NFA to go away. And all that good stuff, and I think the roadmap is pretty clear. One thing I really wanted to talk about, and I should have talked about this in the first hour because of our station affiliate in Tucson, but uh, the Democrat Senator Mark Kelly, who is running for re-election in Arizona, is conspicuously avoiding any mention of his staunch gun control advocacy as he stumps around Arizona. And if you don't know who Senator Mark Kelly is, he's married to Gabby Giffords. And together they formed uh, the gun control group for uh, uh, Americans for Responsible Solutions with his wife Gabby after a, less than a month after the Sandy Hook elementary attack. Um, I'm reading now from a Breitbart article. And it says, the gun control group morphed into Giffords, a gun control outlet which grades states on the stringency of their gun control and pushes for the adoption of further restrictions at the state and federal level. Kelly runs no ads mentioning that he and his wife founded a gun control group in January of 2013 and thereafter spent nearly a decade pushing for universal background checks and other gun controls. And for him to go through Arizona and not mention this is amazing because he knows it's the death rattle to his campaign if he tells everyone, yeah, I want to take your guns away in an extremely gun-friendly state like Arizona. So he's uh, running against pro-Second Amendment candidate Blake Masters, uh, Republican in a commercial airing again and again in the Phoenix area, contrasts Masters' support of the SCOTUS's pro-life decision with Kelly's use of the classic leftist catchphrases about women's health. But no mention... Uh, of any of his gun control advocacy or this is how I first became uh, aware of this uh, this guy Kelly is he did this hit piece when he went into Diamondback Police Supply a Tucson Arizona gun store with a camera in tow to purchase a gun as a way to highlight his uh, contention that laws to purchase guns are too lax and Breitbart News pointed to his February 2013 attempt to buy the firearm in Tucson, noting that Kelly's theatrics coincided with his and his wife's post-Sandy Hook push for universal background checks. Uh, Breitbart also noted that Kelly was not allowed to buy the gun because he didn't have the proper ID required by the background check system that had been in place since 1998. So I remember that story when he wanted to do this hit piece he goes in and says i'm gonna show you guys how easy it is to buy a gun he goes in and they're like oh sorry sir we can't sell you this gun because you don't have the right id and he he didn't have his id and he's like oh so he had to come back and he was able to buy the gun the second time and pass the background check and then um it goes on that uh he uh roughly two weeks later he went back with a proper id to pass the check and bought his semi-automatic and then he released his hidden camera video which was Duly edited, by the way, to show that um, he it, it just all happened in one visit. It, he didn't mention that he had to go there twice, and but he still said how easy it was. And then he uh, went back and bought a semi-automatic rifle, but the sale was terminated because Kelly made such a show of it that the Diamondback Police Supply owner, Douglas McKinley, squashed the purchase, citing concerns related to question one on the ATF form, 4473. And that question asks, would a uh, would-be buyer affirm that he is indeed the buyer or transferee and if he's buying it for himself or having it transferred to himself? So because he didn't, you know, because of what he was doing, the gun dealer said, are you actually buying this for yourself? And recognizing that he's an anti-gun person, he probably was not. He was probably purchasing it. And ultimately gonna do something else with the gun so they were like nah we're denying the sale so you know it's unbelievable how uh the guy the guy um you know ended up failing at his one job to show how easy it was to buy a gun in tucson arizona a very gun-friendly state and uh so there you have that um uh, stay tuned you never know what's going to happen hopefully they will make the second amendment a big time issue on in arizona as they should so um, thanks guys for tuning in to another show Uh, remember you can always listen to more content on rapidfireradio.us you can call the rapid fire line at 508-444-2120 keep up the good fight support your local community Be an advocate in your community and put on the face of responsible gun ownership. Take someone new to the range and together as Americans, we can overcome anything. Thank you very much. I'm Toby Leary. God bless. We'll see you next time. This is Rapid Fire.